Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What's up, yo Tennessee Homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, doing great. Got a loaded, loaded show. Now that there's training camps across the SEC, we're actually getting news and notes. Shane, we got a great interview line over an hour with Chris Lee in studio. So that was a treat. And I almost died this weekend. So I, I feel great the fact that I'm not dead. You know what? <laughs> Yeah, man, I saw that picture uh, of you on this. Well, actually, you called me right after it happened and uh, sent me a picture of the car that hit you. And I was like, and I ain't going to lie, Mike, I, I, I zoomed in. At first, I was looking for a Kentucky tag or possibly a Bama logo or something like that. I was like, who the hell's been hitting Mike here, you know? But I'm glad I'm glad that you're safe. I'm glad that you're, you're healthy and uh, survived that incident, Mike. And uh, uh, I tell you, brother, that – after you sent me that pic, I, I, for some reason, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start wearing my seatbelt. <laughs> I was like, you never, <laughs> you never know, you know? So I'm one of those guys that just refused to do the seatbelt, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to try it now, you know? Oh, yeah. I have my seatbelt on. I, I'll keep it brief, Shane. I know people don't care about this stuff, but it was, yeah. I, I never been in a wreck in my life, Shane. I'm just going down the, the freeway, about 70 miles per hour, minding my own business, and a car just sideswipes me, and not only are they hitting me? They refused to back off. It was the weirdest thing. So I hit yeah. my brakes. They wrap around the front of my vehicle. Now they're going exact 180 the way they're supposed to be going on the freeway. And they're getting rammed against the concrete wall in my car. And when my car came to a stop, I don't know if they were stuck or what, but they they went in reverse about 40 miles per hour, hit the guardrail and his airbag blew up. His windows blew up. I thought the person was dead. I was just hoping they were all right. Because, I, I mean, I was banged up, but not too bad. And then I see him jump out of the car and run into the woods. And I was like, well, that can't be good. <laughs> so <laughs> that was all after my oh. interview with Chris Lee. And, and Shane, I just went home. And I, th- thank God all my podcast gear was in the car. I mean, I was worried about the car, but I, I was more worried about all this gear. Because I, <laughs> I can't replace it if we lost everything. And uh, not not a single gear was was injured so i was i was still able to go home and, and edit that video which hey if that's that, not it please god people go watch it i almost killed it killed myself trying to give you this free content you know why why that happened don't you mike why is that because harry harry put them special tires on you know <laughs> <laughs> rubbin's racing baby <laughs> well, all right Shay, let's get into it because we got a loaded show but before we get into the action we got to let everybody know of Coverage this season brought to you by Twisted Tea. Of course, we're brought to you by Game Time Sidekick. Shane, cannot recommend Game Time Sidekicks enough. They just sent us a care package. Uh, I got the new Joe Milton cup. It's pretty awesome. I threw it up yeah. on Twitter. I'll throw it on the screen. Dog bowls. They even got dog bowls now at Game Time Sidekick, Shane. But they are giving us uh, a special offer for our audience, Shane. Head on over to GameTimeSidekicks.com. Put in that promo code at the checkout. SEC. That's all you got to do yep. is a di- discount code for twenty percent off 
Absolutely. They, it was 15. Now they're 20. Yes. They're like, you guys are killing it. Give us 20% off at it Game Time. It just means more, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at Game Time Sidekicks, there's a link in the show notes. It's stainless steel drinkware, Shane. NCAA official gear here. I, we cannot recommend it enough. This is two seasons in a row that we yeah. partnered with Game Time Sidekicks. And if you really want to help the podcast, this is how you do it right here. We don't ask for much, Shane. Get you a gift or get someone else a gift. They got every SEC team, every college team over at Game Time Sidekicks. Yeah, 20% off. So whenever you buy the cups or cups that you're going to be looking at, uh, you're automatically going to get embedded. There's a there's a sale going on right now for 15%. You're going to ignore that. You're going to get to the very end, and right when you're about to pay, you're going to notice a spot for promo code. Just type in SEC, and then it's going to up it to 20% off. And, uh, again, Cup's awesome. You get one. There's a lot of NIL stuff about to come out. A lot of people are asking about the Joe Milton one. Just yeah. hang loose. Uh, we, we got Apparently, we got it before it was official, but uh, – <laughs> Yeah, some of these NIL cups are going to be coming out, too. So you want to support some of your favorite players? That's how you do it. Put a little cash in their pocket. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. Let's get into the action here. And Hey, we're not going to spend any time on this conference realignment stuff until it actually affects the yeah. SEC, Shane, because I don't really care what the Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, because we all know – you know, whoever they get to the playoff, if they get anybody, which they probably shouldn't, uh, they're just going to lose to the SEC when they get there. So who the hell cares what's going on in those in those garbage leagues? But uh, Eli Drinkwitz was asked about this uh, over the weekend, and I thought that he gave the best answer I've, I've heard yet on all this realignment with all these West Coast and East Coast schools in the same conference. It's going to be fine for football, but the rest of the college sports – uh, it's hard to s- disagree with anything Drink's got to say here. Hmm. I was really hoping nobody would ask me that question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say it. I thought the transfer window, I thought the portal was closed. Uh, oh, that's just for the student-athletes. The adults in the room get to do whatever they want, apparently. And it's, um, you know, it's just sad that there's um, – look, I, I, my question is, did we count the cost? I'm not talking about a financial cost. I'm talking about did we count the cost for the student-athletes involved in this decision? What cost is it to those student-athletes? We're talking about a football decision they based off football, but what about softball and baseball who have to travel cross-country? Do we ask about the cost to them? Do we know what the number one indicator of, uh, of symptom of, or cause of mental health is? It's lack of rest and sleep. Traveling in those baseball-softball games, you know, those, those people, they travel commercial. They get done playing at four. They got to go to the airport. They come back. It's three or four in the morning. They got to go to class. I mean, did we ask any of them? Are we going to look back? I, I don't worry at all about the game. The game is going to be strong. Football is going to be fine. We'll all figure it out. But did we consider the people that we are entrusted to? Did we consider the student athlete? Because then we're asking them to go out on their own to get NIL. We didn't say we're going to revenue share. We're not saying they're getting a piece of it. So that, that's the thing that's bothering me right now in this whole situation is we keep trying to limit what the student-athlete can do, but then we act on our own. And 
Uh, everybody's got their own reasons, um, uh, and I'm not questioning any of those. I'm saying as a collective group, have we asked ourselves, what's it going to cost the student-athletes? I saw um, on Twitter several student-athletes talking about one of the reasons they chose their school was so that their parents didn't have to travel. They chose a local school so that they could be regionally associated so their parents could watch them play and not have to travel. Did we ask them if they wanted to travel from the East Coast to the West Coast? Man. You know, I love the game. But every game that I coach, I look up in the stands and find my family. I make sure they can play. I make sure they can be there. Because that's what I'm doing this for. And, and you're talking about volleyball, baseball, softball, track. I mean, all, all those other sports, man, they don't get, they're not fortunate in, to travel like the way we do. Football be fine. Football be fine. Still, we count the cost of the collateral damage of everybody else. I don't know. I, only time will tell. But that is my biggest, like, looking at it going 24 hours after, say, did we really think about that? I don't think we did. Um, I don't think we did. All right, Shane. I also want to credit Josh Pate, the great Josh Pate, friend of the show, because I've, I've heard him say similar things here. When, when you see all this realignment stuff, Shane, the two things you don't see, how do the players feel about it? And how do the fans care about it? And yeah. why are you not hearing that? Because they don't give a damn about the players. They don't give a damn yeah. about the fans. That you know, Even if you are pumped up about, uh, let's say you're a UCLA fan, you're not going to be traveling unless you're very wealthy to yeah. Michigan and Ohio State and Rutgers and Maryland and, well, and shit, on and man. on and you on. Got, you got Oregon, and I was looking at Oregon and Maryland. Yeah. You know, they're in the same conference, and, and imagine if it was an every other year situation. Most likely not going to be going to those games, which 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 sucks in my opinion. When you have twenty, whatever you know, again, yeah. we're not on the expansion. There's quality and quantity. The SEC's quality. Everybody else is quantity. That's all right. Have you have your ten Vanderbilts and see how it plays out at the end of the year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Nick Saban also asked about it, Shane, and uh, not. A- you know, similar comments, but not the exact same. And, uh, you know, whether you like Nick Saban or not, you should respect him because he, he pretty much is the authority of college football today. So let's. I just had to play these clips of uh, Nick Saban asked on his thoughts on the realignment. Look, I did not hear what anybody's comments have been about this. Um, look, there's a lot of traditions that we've had for a long time in college football, and uh, I think we're in a time of – evolution for whatever reasons um, and some of those traditions are going to get sort of pushed by the wayside I think and it's sad um, whether it's good bad or indifferent for college football I guess you have to define what is good bad what is good and bad for college football so um, I think one thing I would just hope that we would keep in mind in all the choices and decisions we make relative to what we do in college athletics is the student athlete. Um, they're here to get an education. We want to try to help them develop careers on and off the field. Uh, and hopefully some of the choices and decisions that we make for college athletics in the future will impact them in a positive way. And I hope that we can keep that as a priority in terms of uh, whatever we decide to do uh, in the future of college football and college athletics. All right, Shane, I could have guessed Papaw was going to go with history and tradition, but I, I think he's absolutely right. And 
Uh, again, we're, we're not here to cry for Oregon State and Washington State and, and teams like that, but that's you lose. You lose rivalries, potentially. You lose historic games. And to your, what you just said, Shane, that's why I'm glad the SEC staying in the South. And, and I realize Texas and Oklahoma, that is expansion, but just already the buzz we're getting back from those fans, Shane. They fit in. There's natural rivalries yeah. all across the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma, and uh, yeah, that you know we we may have disrespected them in the past, Shay, but I got them open arms because I th- I think they're going to fit perfectly, and I hope uh, the SEC stays at 16. Uh, you know, the Big Ten can ask add everybody in the country uh, other than the SEC teams we currently got, and it still is not going to match what the SEC has. Absolutely. It's the haves and the haves nots, you know, <laughs> and we are and the SEC has plenty of haves. And, and I love the fact, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, when you're looking at that footprint, it makes sense to me. Southeast, you know, yeah, Oklahoma's a little bit further, Texas a little bit further, but it's not California. It's not Oregon. It's not Washington. It doesn't like I, I was looking for to get to uh, from Columbia to to college station i think it's like 14 hours or something like that it's a feasible trip you can drive that if you would like so but you look at some of these others that are 40 hours long it's like that's not going to happen <laughs> it's just not so you know I, I, I we try to stay out of this thing it's almost like politics now it's like you, you just don't want to deal with it but i i do gotta ask mike yes sir because the two teams that keep coming up constantly is clemson is florida state Mm-hmm. that's two of the ones I keep hearing uh, you know I've heard some Notre Dames and I've heard some other stuff but I don't think that this conference needs them you know it's like right. I, I understand if it if it helps the brand if it improves the product and, and and I know you can look at at a national championship or go back to the 90s and, and find a Florida State one uh, or Jimbo Fisher. I forgot. Maybe that was a little bit more recent. But, yeah, there, were, there was – there has been success at both of those organizations. But I don't think that this conference has to have them. Do you? No, absolutely not. And to your point, I mean, the this ACC, uh, it's called the Grant of Rights. I think it's basically unbreakable. So – uh, I don't anticipate any movement from any ACC teams for a number of years, but the I think the little caveat here, Shane, is uh, the SEC will do what it can to keep the Big Ten out of the South, and mm-hmm. Florida State and Clemson, from what I have been told, do not fit in the Big Ten at all. So, I, I mean, I don't think they're targeted by the Big Ten. They fit for the SEC. I could see it one day, but – I don't think they're going to add anybody to add anybody, and they're not going to mess with this ACC grant of rights. The two teams to keep your eye on, and again, I don't think this can happen until 2036, so not anytime soon, but potentially North Carolina, we've talked about that before, and Virginia. And why those are important, Shane, because the Big Ten, from what I know, and I I know very little about the inner workings (laughs) of the Big Ten, but those are the two schools that the Big Ten kind of has eyes on on the South, and you want to keep them out. You want to keep the, the Big Ten out of the South. So if there is expansion to the SEC, I think it'll be North Carolina. I think it'll be Virginia. And maybe down the line, Florida State and Clemson. But, again, I, I don't – the SEC does yeah, not but need did, any of those. But I, I get that, like, in the 90s, in the 80s, in the 60s, in the 50s. You know, it's like, okay, I get – 
proximity. Now, that makes sense for fans. It makes sense for players, kind of like what Eli was talking about. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I think it really matters. But even if the Big Ten were to build a university in the middle of Alabama, I still don't think that it's going to matter. You know what I'm saying? I The SEC stands on its own. And even if there is a another university right there in North Carolina or Virginia, mm-hmm. like you said, I don't see how that could really hurt our brand because, like, like I just like just said just a few minutes ago, Georgia landed a, a huge recruit out of you know comp, what was it California? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they're coming to Georgia not because of where Georgia's at, because Georgia keeps winning national championships and putting running backs in the league. Right. You know, that's I I don't know. I, I'm kind of. Well, the, I told the only, you we're not going to talk about conference realignment, but yeah, yeah. Final thing I got on it, shit. Because the only problem with your argument, yeah, I mean the Big Ten can't go to Alabama because the SEC's dominated it, and that you cannot say the same about North Carolina, Virginia. The SEC's got no presence there, so you basically you just don't want to lose those states to the Big Ten because it could it could start a domino effect potentially uh, on down the line. I, I really do think. Yeah, maybe like later down in life, you think. So maybe not five years, but 20 years, you see, having that presence could be a problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. All right, so let's get it to some actual football here, Shane, because we have been waiting. I didn't even know we were going to get Bobby Petrino, Shane, until until he was on his (laughs) way out the door. You know what, at at Texas A&M, this has been such a huge storyline for obvious reasons. I mean, just the ego, the history – I mean, this is the guy that walked out on the Falcons, had the motorcycle crash. I mean, on and on and on. So many backstory with Bobby Petrino. And I've heard he's just one of the worst people to ever deal with in the history of college athletics from people that have been in athletics for a long time. So uh, I say all that, though, Shade. We've been nothing but uh, positive on what he could bring to Texas A&M because he's exactly what they need down there, an offensive mind, a quarterbacks coach that has excelled in this conference, excelled all across college football, and can do it with a, a wide variety of quarterbacks and offensive systems. And if he can, if he's given his free will here in Texas A&M, which has been a big question all summer, A&Ms are going to be one hell of a dangerous team, Shane. Let's kick it over to Bobby Petrino, asked about his working relationship with the big man boss Jimbo Fisher. You know, I've I've read or heard or I've had people send me things about, you know, you and Coach Fisher getting along, da da da. Um, that's not really how it works, okay? Coach is the boss, all right. I'm, my job is to try to keep him happy and make sure that everything works, you know, the way he wants it to work. Um, I understand that more than probably anybody because of the number of years that I've been the head coach. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun, you know. Uh, coach is a ball coach and the ability to go in the meeting room and watch video and listen to his uh, philosophies and his techniques and fundamentals. Um, I've improved a lot as a coach and my knowledge has improved a lot as a coach just in the short time that I've been here. <laughs> All right, Shane. I mean, I think it's just hilarious. Uh, you know, some people, I mean, I, I don't think Bobby Petrino could have answered this any better. And yet yeah. I threw this out there, and some people are like, oh, it's already off the rails. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? He's saying, hey, this is Jimbo's program. I'm not going to overseed him, and, and I'm going to call plays. And, 
you know, we're, we're going to do it this way, and, but, but it's got to, you know, Jimbo will have a say over everything. And that's exactly the same, Shane. Uh, Nick Saban with his defense down there. That's why I don't let, you know, all that bullshit with Pete Golden's run the defense. No. It's, yeah. it's Nick Saban. Kirby Smart. He loses a defensive coordinator, and the de- the defense does not lose a step. Why? Because it's Kirby's defense. He's in on all the game planning, on the play yeah. calls. He's on the headset. Same thing is going to be happening down here at Texas A and M. We just can't let Jimbo be uh, calling all the critical plays here. But uh, I mean, I was more encouraged about Texas A and M after hearing these comments from from Bobby Petrino. Where were you at? Yeah, I, I think so too. And I listened to this whole, pretty much his whole presser started out. And coach was a little bit, he was asked earlier about Petrino. And, you know, he was like different than yeah. ever. He was just kind of <laughs> complimentive and stuff. I don't know if it's because he's in the room. <laughs> can't, can't talk about him while he's over there. But, and then Bobby comes up and kind of mirrors that and said, hey, man, this isn't about friendship. This is about. Uh, you know, a job that needs to be complete. And and that's, you know, making sure that we put the best product out there. So I I love it uh, because there's some other comments about him picking Jimbo's brain and learning and, you know, and and the the one thing that, that really stood out to me for, with this whole thing was, you know, he's a tool, man. You know, he, he talks about Jimbo's playbook. I mean, he says it's about this big, you know, it's, and, and, but they don't need to know it all. They, he needs to know from these quarterbacks what they're good at, and and that's what he's going to identify. So I like that because it's a different perspective, uh, and these kids seem to be uh, embracing him as well. Yeah, and one other thing for Bobby Petrino, I love this as well, Shane, give you a little insight, because I think some people think they're just drawing it up in the sand, and you know it's like Madden video game, well, let's call this, let's call that. No, that's, I mean, this is college football, you know, as much as, People want to make it to be professional, and I realize it's close, but uh, there's still there's time limits, and you can't just reinvent the wheel midseason. You kind of yeah. are who you are. This is when you you find out the summer and training camp. This is when you're kind of implementing your offensive and defensive identity, and just hope and pray it translates to the field. Uh, here's Bobby Vitrino on the on his play calling duties and how they kind of come to these decisions during the week when they practice these plays. I mean, it's it's common sense, but I, I feel like some people uh, but maybe just don't realize this. No, it's a collective effort, but will you serve as the primary play caller? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a collective effort. I've been calling the plays out at practice, and, and, and I will do that. Um, but a lot of times the plays are called throughout the week. So as you game plan and you're in there, you put down your third and shorts and you and you know what you want to do run-wise, you know what you want to do pass-wise, then you practice them, then you go back and rank them. Um, and a lot of times it's like, okay, we get third and one, ball's on the right hash, the call's already made. You know what I'm saying? So you just have to be able to be disciplined to – to do what you didn't practice. I think that's when, when I've always like self-scouted myself. Um, I didn't do it as much on based on what the defense was looking at and what they were doing, but I always did it based on did we call what we didn't practice and did we execute what we executed in practice? And if we didn't, why not? What, you know, what, what's the issue there? So um, I want to make sure that we spend time preparing our players and they understand the situations and they can rely that they're going to they're going to get the play calls that they worked on and practiced on and got better on during the week. All right, Shane. So again, I mean, I I think this is great. Everything he's saying, and uh, he also talked a lot about tempo and that being yeah. a, a, a aspect of A and M's offense. And and he said, well, that doesn't mean we're going to go, 
You know, he didn't say Lane Kiffin, Josh Heupel. I don't think they're going to go warp speed the entire time. But the ability to go tempo and then come out of it and just do a, a multiple things with the pieces they have, you know who that sounds like to me, Shane, and, and maybe this is too bold, but it reminds me of Todd Munkin there at Georgia, which yeah. Georgia didn't go tempo all the time, but when they could, they did, and they were incredibly effective. And then once they get you off balance, then they smash, hit you right in the damn mouth. That's what Texas A&M needs to be, and they have all the pieces at quarterback, receiver, running back, offensive line. There's no reason they can't be you know, one of the top offenses in the SEC, if not the country. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, he's talking about these receivers too, brother, that they're already hitting right out of the gate. Connor Mickman, he thinks this is the best receiving. Of course, this is his boys, you know, but he thinks it's the best room in the town or in the country. So, um, and they're excited, brother. They they love that. I mean, these all all these kids were here last year, and they got to see the slow offense. And now they're talking up tempo. They're starting to get exciting again. And this is what what Texas A&M fans have been just dying for. So uh, be ready. Be ready, guys. It's coming. Yeah. And one one thing I wanted to talk about, Shane, I mean, this is going to piss this fan base off, but I think the rest of the SEC will get a good laugh out of this. But uh, if you missed it, South Carolina, they lost a recruit over the weekend to Auburn. And this was a guy, apparently, they, they, you know, they had him locked in. He was committing. He was planning to be a Gamecock. And then it, I don't know. I have no idea. But at the 11th hour, announces, hey, I'm going to Auburn, and boy, <laughs> was Gamecock Nation where they pissed, and, and it got so out of hand, Shane, that the official NIL of the South Carolina Gamecocks is called the Garnet Trust. I'm going to throw up there. They deleted this, but <laughs> thank God for screenshots, Shane. I'm going to throw <laughs> it up here. If money is the deciding factor for a player, chances are they aren't the kind of athlete who will appreciate the culture our coaches are building. And that's from the official <laughs> NIL of South Carolina. And, boy, I love these reactions, Shane, people with, uh, you know, the, po- the poor people out here complaining and all this. And, <laughs> Shane, and I see some, some people are saying, well, they're, what's inaccurate about that? And, hey, Shane, you, you're a damn fool if you don't think players at Georgia are getting paid. It doesn't yeah. seem to be slowing them down. Alabama's been playing, paying guys for 50 years. It's not slowing them down. LSU, Tennessee, on and on and on. I get it. You don't want this to be complete free agency. But yeah. players getting paid, is uh, that's been going on a long time. If you got outbid, uh, your official NIL bitching about it on Twitter is not the best look. <laughs> no, probably not the best look. Definitely emotional. Been there. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm an emotional guy, and sometimes I, I just fire off without thinking. And, and then, of course, Mike really draws me back in, you know. I'm kind of worried when we go live, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I, I, I will say this, brother. I, 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 I'm not mad about it because they said the exact same thing a lot of these Gamecock fans were thinking. Yeah. And it's something that that Beamer can use later when he's in those those booster kiss ass meetings, you know, and say, "Hey, listen, here's a prime example. This is why we need more money to back these boys up because if we do, I can bring you a good team. You know, yeah. we're this close. We just need some more money and that and that's where you guys come in." So, this this is a tool that they could use later, but it, it stings. I've been there, man. At least he wasn't flinging hats and shit, you know. 
or tearing having stickers. Dad, yeah. Having his dad rip a sticker off, you know. Trust me, we've been there too. So. <laughs> All right, Shade, uh, just real quick, a couple of hitters around the SEC. I wanted to share just some intel I'm getting from uh, some teams that are in camp in, in Florida over the weekend, Shane. They held a, a practice open to the public, so a lot of a lot of people had eyes on the team. And the main reaction, Shane, this offense and defensive line's legit. They look massive. This is Billy Napier, what he's trying to build. That's exactly what you want to see from a Billy Napier bully ball-type team. But after, you know, the size and strength of these linemen, the, the, the big takeaway from everybody down there in Gator Nation, Shane, they're calling him Heise Mertz down there. Graham Mertz, <laughs> who everybody, myself included, has disrespected, looked solid. I, I think he's got complete command of the team. He's, he's a leader. They've not named him the starter, but I think it's only a matter of time. And just uh, Shane Matthews, former Standout Florida quarterback under Steve Spurrier. Shane, he's out here saying this is eight-win minimum Gator football team oh, after seeing this. And, hey, I, I love the optimism, Shane. And, hell, I was on here this other day saying if they beat Utah, they're 5-1. and one. And wouldn't you know it, a couple days later, they hold an open practice and they're the best <laughs> team in the East. You know what I mean? Like, I'm fired up. It's that time of year, baby, undefeated. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of people that, that have been down in Florida that, that – think that they're going to be better you know we talked about this gambler you gamblers out there now's the time to be putting your money up there don't wait till after utah right wait till after that ass whooping because then nobody's going to be taking them bets so get your bets in if you think florida is going to be something this year i I like the videos i'm seeing them all over man yeah i saw kentucky had open practice i mean i I, now now again they're putting all the dimes out there they're not putting (laughs) the bad passes out there but uh but no, the fans are pumped up and they're ready for some football. You could tell. Yeah, it, well, I'm glad you went there, Shane, because that's next, real quick. Kentucky just got some buzz on them. Night and day different. I'm I'm hearing the progression from the spring. I think Liam Cohen was a little underwhelmed with certain position groups, particularly that offensive line. They're liking what they got there. How about this, Shane? This, this are, these are the bold comments right here. If you're a Kentucky fan, I'm gonna go in here tight. <laughs> This is what I'm hearing, Shane. These are the money quotes here. Wouldn't be surprised if they can compete with Tennessee and give Georgia a game. That's a direct quote I got. Here's another one, Shane. They're raving about this receiving unit. There's not a game on the schedule they feel like they can't compete in. So, hey, take that for what it's worth. But, hey, the buzz is growing there in Lexington. And and you can attest to this, Shane. Everybody we spoke to up there at Media Days just about – we said, who's who's a team to keep your eye on that not enough people are talking about? And just about everybody said them Kentucky Wildcats. Mm. Which camera am I looking at? This one? <laughs> right. You're right, Mike. <laughs> you are absolutely right. I, I will say, out of, out of all the camps going on right now, the ones I got my eyes on is the ones you, you've, you've already kind of hit on, the Florida Gators, you know, because they can't be that bad, Mike. They can't. I, I just don't see it. I can't believe it. I, I think that they, they take a step forward. I, so many new pieces in Ole Miss. Oh, so many new pieces in Kentucky. These are a couple of camps I really got my eyes on. What what do they look like, you know? Uh, I know it's a revolving Auburn. Golly, I mean, Hugh Freeze out here stealing everybody's 
you know, recruits, wives, you know, <laughs> everything, you know, he's just, he's in everybody's living room, just making a deal with the devil. So he's getting them down there on the planes. What does this roster look like? What is this team's going to look like, man? I'm just so freaking pumped up. I, I'm just, these videos, these little 10, 15 second videos, I'm watching them like over and over again. Like, yeah. damn, maybe they got something there in Arkansas, you know, or maybe is LSU is going to win a national championship. So, yep. And then one last nugget, Shane, this is just for you. I, I know you'll appreciate this one, but I'm hearing multiple people, Shane, have, have told me that uh, Tennessee receiver Ramel Keaton, who yeah. a lot of people, I, I wouldn't say written off, but when you bring up Tennessee and all the weapons, that he's about the last one they mentioned. I don't know why. He was third in recept, receiving yards last year, second on the team in receiving touchdowns. Shane, I, I hear he's taking his game to another level. He could be the number one receiver. And they got a five-star, Brew McCoy. And that's, that doesn't mean Brew's disappointing. It's just Ramel Keaton's shown up, and he's ready for his money year. Squirrel White, uh, Dante Thornton, all these guys. Yet Ramel Keaton is the one that's standing out early. And I, I know it's very early, So, uh, yeah. but I'm just sharing what I got for you. And Tennessee may be even more loaded on the offensive side than people realize right now. Yeah, that's why Hopple is so cocky up there at media days. <laughs> <laughs> right before we get to our interview, Shane, one more time, uh, another sponsor, new to the show this year. The show is brought to you by Manscaped, Shane, back for, I think they had us a couple years ago, but they're back because they got a new they're product, back. Shane, the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Head on over to Manscaped dot com shane slash sec podcast and use that promo code sec same promo as the game time sidekick shane they'll give you 20 percent off look at that. everybody's giving our, our listeners 20 percent <laughs> off and free international sh- shipping one more time at manscape.com slash sec podcast this is all in the show notes shane and the college football is back baby and you need a beard shaver head on over to manscape this is a great way to help podcast this season ordering from manscaped you got uh someone in your life you got to get a gift for or hey i i could use one myself shane they're sending <laughs> us one right now i'm going to be shaving as soon as i get this beard hedger from manscaped shane and, and uh, one of these packages of course you get the hedger you get beard shampoo beard mm-hmm. conditioner oil palm and a travel case when's the last time you used shampoo and conditioner shane you're going to be using it pretty soon here thanks to manscaped you know what oh yeah man they saw these these nasty ass beards it's like let's let's sponsor them so we can at least clean them up a little so clearly i haven't got mine yet but i'm looking forward to it mike (laughs) yeah so once again hit up manscaped.com slash sec podcast and that promo code sec for 20 percent off your entire order and free international shipping and that is in the show notes are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience check out twisted tea your go-to game beverage for college football fans twisted tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before it's made with real brewed tea and picks a flavorful punch five percent alcohol and no carbonation delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion no need to settle for the usual twisted tea turns up any occasion especially when you're cheering on your favorite sec team twisted tea the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love of college football keep it twisted 
Mm-hmm. All right, buddy, let's kick it over to our interview with Chris Lee. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay, we're here with Chris Lee, Vandy Sports, Southeastern 14 in studio. Chris, thank you so much for, for joining me. I, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, I'll have a lot of respect for you. This will be a lot of fun, and thanks for having me. Yeah, and I'm sorry that I'm sweating profusely after setting up this this whole deal here. I literally tear down everything I got at the house, bring it in here, throw it all up. So uh, apologies for that. I've got a lot of respect for your equipment game here. I I mean, you've you've got stuff I didn't even know existed. I think a lot of us just try to find a decent mic and turn it on but you've you put a lot of money into this and you take you take pride in what you do and it shows yeah i think the only time i sweat more than this was when i had fine bomb sitting there because i was just nervous as hell when he was in here you know what yeah it, it's weird having like somebody that you you grew up admiring or idolized and i think we all had one of those first moments uh mine was will purdue i had him on a podcast mm. and i had him on several but i'm thinking man how weird is this that a guy that i used to to watch and you know, was at the top of the world professionally. Right. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a different thing, but I, I can relate. Yeah, and you still have him on the show. I noticed quite a bit on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Yeah, I want to have time. Uh, time's the scarce commodity in our business, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, time doing one thing is time not doing another, and I just don't think there's enough in it. I mean, in, in the new cycle in our profession these days, it's, I was making the comment to someone that it's kind of like the NFL. NFL has got this thing perfected worth a 12-month news cycle, and I feel like in college football we've we've got that, and whatever whatever void we have for a few weeks is filled with the College World Series or, yep. or whatever else now. So there's really there's almost no down. I'm not sure there is any downtime in our job. <laughs> if you find it's a blessing and a curse, you know what? Right. right. It was like having open practice at Vandy. I'm like, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing because. Uh, nobody else does it like that. We get access that nobody else gets, and, and, and I mean, I, I say that facetiously. It's a great thing. I'm, and I'm grateful for it. But at the same time, uh, when, when the gates are open, people expect you to be there, and, and there's that too. Yeah, when I get people in here, Chris, I love to get a little background. So just for in case anybody in my audience not familiar with who you are and you're and you're coming up, but I also think the journey. That's another thing. You know, I have so many people that we come in and we we talk with. Everybody has a different journey to how they got to where they are. So uh, how long have you been covering Vanderbilt? And now you cover the entire SEC. But I'm, I'm curious to know when did you kind of start down this path? Well, I'll start back at the beginning. If you had asked, you know, somebody, what what nine, nine-year-old Chris, what should he be doing one day? I think everybody would have pointed to this. Um, I, I went to college and had a great time. I was a really shy kid growing up. So at the same time, I could have seen myself being in sports media, being in front of a camera or a microphone would have, I think would have terrified me. Um, and, and really when I got into the broadcast in at first, I thought of myself as a writer who was just doing this because it helped pay the bills. And it, it, it kind of, kind of turned into something else to where 95% of what I do is this and not that. But it, it was always I was always a baseball guy. Love love baseball. Love history. Love going to games, collecting cards, the whole nine yards. And but any sport I loved. And I went to college, and they didn't have journalism as a major where I went. If they did, that I probably would have done it. But they didn't. And I got in fraternity and did all the college things. And you just you get sidetracked with that and like oh I got to pick a major. So I pick I pick business because my big brother in my fraternity was in business. 
and I was having a conversation with him and we had to declare major the next day. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, we're doing business. <laughs> and so that's what I did. Ended up with the management tract and um, went to work in, in higher ed for a while. I just loved the college environment, being around college kids. It was a recruiter for a bit. And I, I think um, at some point you, you decide you've got to grow up and, and, and do something. And so I, I did that. I decided, well, I'd, I like the college thing and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. I'm, I'm going to get a doctoral degree and I'm going to be a professor. And, and I like stats and economics and stuff. It's like, that's what I'm going to go into. And I got a couple months into grad school and remembered how much I hated studying. It's like, I, I don't think I can do this and, and not want to pull my hair out if I get a doctorate. <laughs> not, not to admit you're not making any money and you're going to need that to live. And and somewhere in there, um, I, I'd always played fantasy baseball and I'd, I'd just dabbled in some things. And I thought, I, I think I'd like to be like a baseball analyst. Uh, and so I, that was in the back of my head, and there was something I was working on. I wrote a fantasy baseball book at one point that I self-published, and uh, just out of the blue, I got a call one day from a buddy of mine that was at this company called Rivals.com, and he said, um, we, we we need somebody to run a Vandy site. I think you'd be great for it. And, and not knowing any better, I'm sure. <laughs> So you had not even covered Vanderbilt when they reached out to you? No, I had I hadn't done it. I I I had had this this idea that I wanted to get into the sports. Again, I I thought if you'd said thirty year old me, what are you going to be doing? I would have said I'll, I'll probably end up doing some baseball analyst stuff. This is right when Moneyball yep. was becoming a big thing, and I'd I'd grown up reading a lot of Bill James. I don't know if you know who Bill James is, but he was sort of the guy that that got everybody thinking in the direction that Moneyball really went. And you could just see at the time there were so many inefficiencies in baseball and bad decisions that it was just like it was low-hanging fruit to to criticize everybody's decisions and see that there's a better way. Uh, now, now I can't even keep up with it. I mean, analytics are so advanced. I, I, I look at it, my eyes get crossed. <laughs> but I, I, I had this idea of doing sports – something and and I thought it would be baseball the the covering it like as a beat guy it really had not occurred to me as an adult and um so having a free opportunity on a plate to kind of work when I wanted and, and hey you get press passes and you know I mean that like for most of us when we get into this you're just happy to be there on the scene and you're kind of wide-eyed and starstruck and connecting the dots on the on the analytics thing um I decided I was going to cover a couple years into to doing the Vandy thing, which I was doing part time. Like, hey, I love baseball. I'm I'm just I don't know a lot about college baseball. I watch the college worlds. I'm going to get into this uh, and, and just see what this is about and try to do maybe some apply some analytics to what we're doing. Well, I in college that was completely foreign at the time, and so I just I, I kind of dipped my toe into college baseball and really loved it. Thought the product is tremendous. You feel like you're watching this secret that nobody has has discovered. I think, like in the last five years, that's changed. Like when I started covering college baseball, nobody was doing it. Uh, you know, you you look at the Florida beat; they're a national power. Nobody in Gainesville is covering baseball. Now everybody's covering baseball on a beat level. Um, but so that that was kind of a neat thing, and I know I'm detouring a little bit, but sort of the the opportunity to merge something I had out there as an idea of what I wanted to do and do an opportunity that dropped into my lap was, was one of the cool things 
um, about our journey. And fast forward into when we started Southeastern 14, I did that with the idea that I still didn't think at a league level baseball and basketball got covered very well. Like if you wanted to find out LSU baseball and, and know stuff about your team, yeah, there's there's a lot of great places to do it. But just to follow, if you're an LSU fan, to follow what Florida's doing and what Arkansas is doing, there wasn't a really great landing spot for all that. And that, that's kind of how Southeastern 14 eventually started. But um, yeah, just on a 30,000 foot view, uh, that that's kind of how it all came together, and that was over a basically a twenty year period. Yeah, yeah. well, so you've been covering Vanderbilt a long, long time. I can only imagine, and I've listened. You know, you've shared this on Vandy Sports, uh, the, the highs and lows. But uh, is are there any uh, like horror stories that you can share? I, I think one of my favorite. How much time have we got? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I think people would be kind of curious to hear stuff like that. I I think I heard on one of your podcasts, one of your guests say that. I think it was like in the facility and the, where they're working out. I mean, they didn't have air conditioning for for the entire summer or something like that. And it's it's just mind boggling. I mean, that that would not go last a day in Alabama. Yeah, it's it's a weird beat. I think if you, I've always wondered if you could. I've I've always got in my head. I'd, I'd love to create these alternate universes where you could just make stuff happen. Right. And I'd like to take somebody like on the Alabama beat and drop them into the Vandy beat for just a year, just like. I'll give. I always use this as an example. I had a condo one time, and I owned it for a couple of years. And I woke up one day and I went into the bathroom, and for whatever reason, I looked near the ceiling. There was a beam. It's like you know, I've I've seen this beam for for years. It looks crooked. And sure enough, I got out my tape measure, <laughs> and it came down like 13 inches from the side on, and like 14. I'm like, this has been right in front of me the whole time, and I just looked past it. And, like, I think if you took somebody into the Vandy beat and dropped them in there, like, how many things would they notice that that I just sort of took for granted? Because you're used to seeing your beat through your 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 particular lens. And I, I think it would be a, a fascinating experiment. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think the um, – Clark Lee, when he took the job, and he'll tell you this – there were so many minefields and things like he had played there and his, his dad still lives in Nashville. They followed the, I think he walked to that thinking, I know what I'm getting into. Cause I was there. We, we lost for four years or how many years he was there. I grew up in town. You, you kind of think, you know what you're getting into, but like the, the whole locker room, not having air conditioning. Um, I had a couple people that reach out to me and like, I don't know if you know this is going on, but the kids have been working out for six months or for six weeks mm-hmm. in the summer and there's no AC in the lot. I'm like, how does this happen? And I put that out there uh, and that that um, ruffled a lot of feathers at Vanderbilt. Also got the air conditioning fixed quickly. <laughs> I got I got some thank yous for that. They're like, hey, thanks for sticking your neck out for us because, um, you know, they they said they were going to fix it. They said nobody needs to go to the media, and and yet, um, you know, when when you put it on your pod, that's when stuff happened. There's been a lot of moments like that. Yeah, and uh, would you be willing to share anything your thoughts on James Franklin? Because I know a lot in the national media. My God, they they love this guy. A lot of them do, and I think the greatest accomplishment he's had is he got nine win seasons at Vanderbilt. That he's still clinging to that years and years later. But I know you are not particularly a, a big fan of, of what he did uh, at Vanderbilt. Can you share any of that? 
Look, I, I think the guy's a tremendous football coach. I think he works as hard as anybody. There, there's things about James I like. There were battles that he was willing to take on. Um, what what I didn't like about James is I felt like everything was about James eventually. Um, you know that there were there were kids that that he had committed at times that he didn't really want it public because well this kid's a two star we think he can play well why why would you care. Well, if you're looking to take another job and you you got a two-star that drags your recruiting rankings down from, you know, from 30 to 35 or whatever, that's the kind of stuff you think about. It, it just – he was a guy where everything was transactional and everything was about what can advance my brand. And he he wanted everything written and said that way. And And you can't do your job as a writer, honestly – um, and there's a lot of people in business that will do that because you get scoops, you get things. But eventually, if you take yourself seriously, and some people don't. Some people don't care. They're just out to, to do it as a fanboy. I wasn't out to do that. And I even had a conversation with him one time. I said, you know, you think you want stuff written that puts you in a good light. But I said, eventually, what's going to happen? First of all, I'm not going to do it. But Let's say I, I played the game. Eventually, what's going to happen? People are going to see through it, yeah. and there's going to be a time when you you might need my help on something when you're in the right. And if I just say, "Well, I'm I'm up there defending James Franklin," what what are people going to say? Well, of course he is. That's what he always does. Um, and of course, with the the Brandon Vanderburg incident in a few years later, that that basically set their football program back probably a decade, maybe more. Um, I actually thought that some of what was in the public narrative wasn't entirely fair to him. And, and maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But as a reporter, you go where you are. And that includes a lot of times defending a guy that you may not like, but your, your job is to be fair. And, and I, I could have actually, um, you know, and I actually did defend him in, in a few cases. Um, I, I still don't think after it was over, he he saw it clearly and and that's kind of the way with egomaniacs but uh yeah it was look he was he was great for i never dreamed that they would do the stuff they did and it was fun to cover something other than a a 30 point blowout to another sec team every saturday that was you know for for a brief period of time i got to see how the other half lived <laughs> uh but man it was it was hard yeah and it, i mean i know you can't speak for other people like national writers and stuff but uh you, you certainly think that uh or is it safe to assume he knew how to play those people to to where i mean they still sing his gospel now and i mean what's a guy i mean i, I realize they beat ohio state like once but i mean i don't know where he gets this amazing reputation well, well, aside from what he did at what he did, the wins at Vanderbilt incredibly impressive. But again, that was a long time ago. Yes, but I think the hardest thing to do is win consistently. Like, look at Mark Richt at Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. How how many losing seasons did Mark Richt have at Georgia? Maybe just the last one, right? And I don't even know if they were losing. I think they were I like seven I don't and think five. They were losing. I th- that, did they even win nine or ten? I mean, I, I don't remember. They they won a lot. Yeah. Sometimes the worst thing you can do is be really good for a long time because then people expect you to be great and win national titles and I think it's a lot harder than people think just to be really good for a long time like look at Alabama 
Alabama has seemed kind of invincible. And, and like with, with Florida, this was the case with Florida for a while. But you go back through history, you know, if you want to go back 30, 40 years, you had some seasons where Alabama even lost more. I mean, even Nick Saban's first year, I think they went six and seven or seven and six. And mm-hmm. I, I think the way everything is now, everybody puts their eyes on, on the top guy. And that's kind of where everybody's bar is set. And, and and you see this happen at SEC schools. Like I thought, Butch Jones at Tennessee, for example, was was a pretty good coach. They were winning eight nine games. Um, they they'd been down for a while, and then the pressure to get back to where Full Former had him uh, sort of took its toll, and you could just see him crack under it. And th- that happens with a lot of people. I think there's something to be said for winning eight nine ten games every year. I, I don't care if you're at Alabama or you're at Georgia. That's that's hard to do because you see instances at any and every Ohio State another one go back to um, oh who was the guy after after Cooper um, uh, Trestle Jim Trestle well I think there was a guy in between that, that didn't last long which tells you everything you know we've forgotten his name <laughs> maybe I'm imagining that but but the point is like you you can pick any school in the country um and and you can find that story somewhere where. Okay, well, we think we should be winning national titles, and they change the next guy, and there's a four and eight in there. Right. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't know that James is an elite coach. I don't know that Penn State's ever going to get past the ceiling um, that that they're currently at. But you know, occasionally you see Frank Beamer did it for a while. He achieved a certain level, then they then they were playing for national championships one day. Yeah. But but I do think in James's defense. It, it's awfully hard to win eight, nine, ten games every year, and he's been pretty good at doing that wherever he's been. Who's the best uh, overall football player you think that you've covered at Vanderbilt? Cutler. Really? Yeah. Smoking Jay Cutler, huh? Smoking Jay Cutler. <laughs> I remember, um, man, he and, and sometimes I think with, with kids like him, you don't know how good they are exactly until it's on the other side. And like, he was SEC player of the year. Everybody – had a pretty good idea Jay was a good player, got drafted in the first round. And I wish for him his career had gone differently, like he'd had a better offensive line or better something. You know, because the, the, the thing on Cutler was, well, he's just kind of an average NFL quarterback. But it's like the, what we just talked about, like how many guys are average NFL quarterbacks for a decade? I mean, if you if you said, hey, Mike, you can be one of the best 15 in, in your field in the world at, at the hardest job within that profession – and you can do that for a decade. Mm-hmm. Hey, sign me up. That's we we tend to set our bar at, at Aaron Rodgers or whatever. But I I think what he did at Vandy and just willing him to that win in Knoxville and and doing some things and I mean to, to win SEC Player of the Year, all the team had a losing record. How many times has that happened? I mean, maybe that that might be the only time in our lifetime. And I think to follow it up and and the kid had diabetes. Really, he didn't know it for the longest time. And I, I don't have it, but from what I understand, that's that is brutally tough to play through. You look at all the stuff that was up against him. I remember, I remember his first game when they played Georgia Tech. I saw he's going to get broken in half. He, he got he got hit more times than a Mike Tyson punching bag that day. And I think just just having to go through that with no offensive line, no receivers, and then build it to where hey, they went to Knoxville and beat Tennessee. And I know that. Tennessee wasn't vintage Tennessee, but that's something Vanderbilt hadn't done in 20-something years. I, I, I think that you, you throw the diabetes layer on top of it. And, and the other thing, I don't think people realize how good an athlete he was. He was an All-State basketball 
and football player. I mean, and baseball player on top of that is shortstop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen, again, you put him in an alternate universe, you know, with, with Alabama, with maybe the Saints under Sean Payton or something like that. I would have liked to have seen what it could have been. Funny story about Jay Cutler. Uh, so my college roommate, he's, he goes to every Tennessee game. He never misses a game. When we, when we were in college, he missed one game. It was that early kick. He was like, ah, it's just Vanderbilt. I'm, I'm not going to go watch that damn game. And Vanderbilt won it. Yeah. He's never forgiven Jay Cutler for that. <laughs> yeah, prob- I think that left a mark that day. I, I didn't – I actually went to that game to cover it. I, I didn't – the whole drive up, I, I, don't, I don't think it ever occurred to me they were going to go in and win that game. Yeah. Because they had started, I think, 4-0. And they'd blown a bowl shot. They had a game against Duke that was really winnable, and they just played horribly, played conservatively. And and they'd blown their shot at a bowl. And, and, and Tennessee had beaten them so many times in a row that it just kind of felt like whatever's going to happen was going to happen. And, and, I mean, I don't really blame him. I don't, I don't think a lot of people thought they were going to go up and win that game that day. How high on that list uh, does Jordan Matthews rank? Because, to me, he's he's the best Vanderbilt player I mean, a non-quarterback, in my opinion, that I've that I've ever seen in one one series in particular. I don't know if you remember this, and I may have the details a little bit wrong, but I think it was against Ole Miss, and he got clocked, and I I think he was vomiting on the field. Like in today's football, they would have sat him out, and he stayed in the game and then made a touchdown, an incredible touchdown, like immediately after. You know, I I thought maybe his career was ended or something like that, but yeah. I mean, he he was a hell of a player. He really was. Um, he, I think my, my three would be him. It would be Cutler, Matthews, and Zach Cunningham. And I, I think that's pretty a pretty easy three for the ones I've covered. I can't think of anybody that would be even really into the discussion with those guys. And, and Jordan, I think if they played their cards differently when he was a freshman, he might still have records in the league. The thing that got broke by Devontae Smith broke a lot of his. But I remember they weren't very good – his freshman year, and they'd bring him into games. They'd, they'd be down, I don't know, 30 points to Florida, whatever. They'd, they'd put in the subs. And, and he had a string, like he had about four straight games where he'd come in in the fourth quarter and he'd catch a touchdown pass. I'm like, well, why don't you play this guy more? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the answer is he's playing against, you know, third-team defenders. Well, okay, well, you're, you know – Probably his offensive linemen that were blocking for his second-team quarterback were reserves, too. So it was sort of apples to apples. But I always thought, well, what if he got to lose? But I think if – I wonder now if they'd gone back and played his freshman year a little differently, if he'd, if he'd have records that would would still be – have his name on them in the league. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask you about this. I, I don't want to get you in trouble or anything, so feel free to dodge this question or, or just avoid it or whatever. But uh, what was that – what was her name? Sarah Thomas or whatever. Uh, Sarah Ford. Sarah, what was the deal with that? And I mean, did that did that just destroy the Derek Derek Mason era? Was it already destroyed? Because I I know so many players left, and, and that was dur- that was during COVID, right? Yeah. So that so that players were allowed to opt out, and we were seeing opt outs not just at Vanderbilt but all across the SEC. But really, that was kind of a sign of quitting or or just not wanting to be there anymore. And yeah, I mean that that, that was just. I, and then it obviously became a national storyline, and but I don't know many people besides from you that would have better information on on just what all that was going on. Yeah, that that was kind of part of. I'll, I'll give you an answer that's that's truthful, but maybe more diplomatic than I would have said three years ago. Um, 
I think that thing got a life of its own. And once it got publicity and traction, and and I don't think the school regretted any of it. Um, it, it took on a life of its own. Um, a lot of people didn't want to be the guy to spoil the Disney movie, but un- underneath the surface, there were a lot of people just pissed about that though, because it wasn't what it was made out to be. You had kids on that team that could have kicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and kicked pretty well. The the Just the details I got about how far behind. Uh, for instance, I had somebody tell me that you, you've got to get a kickoff in 1.3 seconds from, from snap to hitting the foot. The, the op times were closer to three seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, all, all I can say is they had other options who'd kick before in games. Uh, you know, you, you connect the dots and tell me, but the, the public narrative had gotten so out there and everybody was so invested in it that I think at that point it was going to just be a freight train that ran anything over that 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 said contrary. Right. And just unfortunately for, for Vanderbilt and, and their fans, it's like, of course it's Vanderbilt that was going to do that. You know what I mean? Well, and, and the the thing that people would say... Because I was critical of it at the time, and I, I couldn't say everything I knew, but I knew enough to know I wasn't wrong about it. I, people say, well, they're they're winless. Okay, great. I, I go out to the field every day, and, and they might be winless, but I'm I'm covering them when it's 95 degrees, and, and, and guys are about to, you know, pass out. They're having to go drink gallons of – I mean, you can say what you want. Those guys put in a lot of work. The, those guys all, when they were 8 or 10 years old – their dream was to go play football. And maybe it's Vanderbilt, maybe they're winless, but it's it's people whose whose parents sacrifice, it's people who you know, you, you got parents driving hundreds of miles to a game on Saturday in hopes I can see my kid play. Right. And I, I I think to disrespect everybody like that, to, to me Maybe I was the one guy that had a different narrative. It was kind of following closer to what was really going on. Right, right. Um, and maybe they were a bad team. And, and sure, I was critical of them. That, that's that's your job. But I thought, you know, I have a lot of respect for what these kids and these families go through. And and if in my position I don't stand up for them a little bit, I I don't think I can look at myself in the mirror the same way again that might put me on a little bit of an island on our profession. And I thought it was a horrible time for our profession. Yeah. I, I just like, how can you not, you guys know what these kids go through in camp. There, there was a kid out there somewhere that had, that had been on the scout team for three years and just wanted to get his name into a box score. And, and I cover some of these kids that, and you see this at every SEC, there are kids that go walk on and they're a tackling dummy and and they never get in a game, which I think is unconscionable. When you see some of these teams that have 50-point leads, like, yeah. can he not put the guy on the kickoff team for one play mm-hmm. just to let his family see him be on the field and let him say, I did it? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it? To me, all that was, was work. The pushback would be the nice term for it that I got. But I, I, I have too much respect for the people I cover and the work they put in just to let that go. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm such a big fan of you, Chris, because you tell it as you see it, and you're not corrupted like so many other people. But um, moving on to to better stuff, Clark Lee, of course, 
the transformation is, is already underway. They've still got a long way to go. But I asked this to someone the other day, and they, they didn't... They they said that's a good question, but I don't I I can't answer it. So I, I know you'll be the right guy to answer. What do you think is the bigger challenge for Clark Lee, uh, being a consistent bowl team? And that's not to say like if they miss a bowl, we got to fire the guy because that's crazy where he took it over. But is it trying to make Vanderbilt a consistent bowl team? Is that a bigger challenge, or getting Vanderbilt fans to fill that stadium on Saturdays? Because because oh, that's that's a tough thing that he that it's no fault of his own. But that's a huge obstacle, I think, in his football program's way. Boy, it it might be the second, because I I would see James Franklin. Okay, they're winning nine games. They did it twice. Even the six and seven team, man, that was a good six and seven team. They were that close to beating an Arkansas team that wound up in the top five. If Zach Sacy doesn't fumble, maybe the only time in his career at the one and it gets run back the other way. That's like a 14-point swing. They win that game. Mm-hmm. They were really close. And and he would get mad. I remember he was furious. I think it was the Wake Forest game. Not that Vanderbilt's ever had a big student attendance, but they had as many they'd ever had. And it was Thanksgiving. Well, I, I, you know the Vanderbilt demographic. None of those kids are from here. Right. They're all from somewhere else. And most of them are rich enough they can fly home to, to China or to – to New York City or wherever. I mean, it's it's a ghost town for the most part. And and so they had a game, I believe, it was against Wake Forest. They were primed to go to a, a bowl. And I think this was just James's excuse to make himself feel better. But he was just so ticked off that they had maybe 33,000 people. And, and Wake brought, you know, enough people to fill this room we're in. So it was a, it was a very Vanderbilt crowd. And, and he was angry that that stadium wasn't filled. And that, that, but that told me a lot. Um, I grew up here in the '80s, and, and they would fill the stadium when they were awful because there was nothing else in town. But man, the demographics have changed, Mike. It's been sixty something years since they were good consistently in football, and, and that takes a toll. I mean, and you go around to games, and it, it's a lot of times, especially at Memorial Gym, it's it's an old fan base. Baseball games, I, I'm not, this is, I'm like, you'll see people coming in with oxygen tanks. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it it is an old fan base, and when you lose consistently, I, they've got a long time to reverse sixty years of neglect and bad decisions. And I, I think probably, and I think winning there is hard, and it's got his job's gotten harder because it it shifted from facilities and everything when he took the job, and now they're addressing all that stuff. You go by, you see the cranes. Now it's like facilities. Shoot, it's nil. Um, it's a bad time to do all this work. <laughs> well, it, it is. I mean, it is, but it, but it, it needed to be done. Well, it's kind of like saying, okay, I just need a car. Okay, well, here's your car, but the floorboard's rusted, and, um, you know, you can you can see the, <laughs> you know, the rain splashes up on you. I mean, yeah, and, and that's kind of the, the, the analogy for their facilities. Yes, you can say it's switched in. They still needed to do something, and they are, mm-hmm. so it's going to help, but... Um, I, I, you know, I think Clark's job has gotten tougher, and I think that just even if they win games, you'll have some people back. But the the fan base has been beaten down for so, they don't do a lot to make new fans. That's the one criticism I have of what they've done. I, I think they're doing a lot of great things, and I applaud them for it. But I don't think that they are really. I'm not sure, and maybe it's just they've got so much to bite off. You can only do so much. But I feel like they could be doing a better job of building a fan base, and I do wonder. 
let's say they went eight and four this year, which I don't think they're going to, but it, just for argument's sake, like what would that what would that look like on Senior Day? I don't know. Might be twenty three, twenty four thousand of their own fans, but getting to a number above that, it, it's getting hard to imagine because we haven't seen it in so long. Mm. So yeah, I, I think you kind of just answered this, but. Are they utilizing Nashville and all the entertainment and the the country music and now there's all kinds of other music too? But there are ways I think they can make each game an event to get yeah. people to come out. And they're they're clearly not doing it. You think that's a, a bad missed opportunity here in Nashville? I, I think they do it in stops and starts, and and I think there are days they do a really good job. But ultimately, you you can't, it's not minor league baseball right, right you can't right. you can't get people to the park just because it's a fireworks display okay. um you got to win games and i th- this is what i do and maybe they are but I, I just hear so many things about well i had season tickets for 30 years and i dropped off and nobody ever called me or somebody called me and they didn't realize they used to have season tickets like they, they've never done a good job of connecting the left hand with the right over there with that. And the other thing I would do, uh, and this is a school that's just flush with cash, and I guess that's easy for me to say it's not my money, but I think to me you could make it a family event. Okay, here's here's four four season tickets. It'll cost you 600 bucks. We'll, we'll throw in a, you know, four Cokes and a parking pass or whatever. Mm-hmm. T- to me... They've got to start building a fan base and make it a family event and, and find something to do. I, I think they'll have boosters that just for vanity will will pay, you know, a couple thousand dollars a game to buy a suite just to because, okay, I'm, look who I am. I've got the suite. But I think they've got to, if it's me, and, and maybe I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't work in that, but to me I think you could get – a lot of goodwill, and that'd be your best way to build a fan base is try to put together something as families and get people in the habit of going and just something along those lines. Um, it, it just, to me, it's just so embarrassing every time you go to a game over there and you're outnumbered by whoever, you know, whether it's, I mean, of course, Tennessee's going to come in and take over their stadium, you know, at this point, of course. But, 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 but what about Kentucky and South Carolina? Can you not have a home field advantage for those i mean it to me that seems doable but it just it hasn't been that way in a while and and here's the weird thing mike when you go to a bowl game and they've not been in a few years i remember going to birmingham in 2014 and that that's when james frame was really mad because they'd gone to whatever bowl it was the year before he felt like they'd been under slotted so it's like they're not going to do this to us two years in a row yeah they stick them in birmingham at eight and four and, and and to be fair it wasn't a flashy eight and four it was kind of a little bit of a smoke and mirrors eight and four they weren't as good as they were the year before but when has that mattered right. um and he felt like they deserved the gator or something and i think if you're going to do it in a lifetime achievement kind of way i don't think he was wrong and they got sent to birmingham which that that place was such a dump at the time i remember going down there vanderbilt put thirty five thousand people in that place for a bowl game that everybody was pissed off that they were at. And and I thought, man, that, that even surprised me at the time. And I'd, I'd wonder, like, if you could replay that whole script, how many people would be there? Because I think that would tell you a lot. Yeah. Well, transitioning now to uh, Southeastern 14, cover the entire league in, in multiple sports, like you mentioned. But what was the, the, the thought process by not just covering Vanderbilt, covering the entire league, 
why did you make that decision and, and what are you trying to accomplish with a, a great YouTube channel? I mean, I, I go on there just to get ideas and see what you're doing, see what's working. Because I, I think that's the only way to do it is, is yeah. to see what other people are doing, see what works and try to put your own spin on things, you know? Well, thanks. First of all, it's the biggest compliment anybody can, can pay anybody. And I, I appreciate that. But I think the genesis of this goes back probably probably 20 years i used to in preparation for vanderbilt playing florida whoever for series i'd used to to write previews and, and people don't read those i've stopped doing them but i, I just sometimes you just do something to do a good job that's right. you know forget the money and stuff just have pride in what you do and i used to try to i, I remember i'd put together a lineup and i'd look through the box scores I'm like well, wait their second baseman hasn't played in two weeks and, and you'd google it and you'd, you'd find nothing and then this was pre-Twitter. It's a little bit easier now. But I just thought, how can this be where you've got a, a national title caliber program and you can't find out anything about what's happening with this situation or that situation? And, and info was just really scarce. And you, you couldn't just pick up the phone and call a buddy in the media at that time because nobody then was covering it either. Well, again, I, I talked about it earlier. That's changed a little bit. But I still think at a big level, it just amazes me, and I shouldn't be complaining because this created opportunity. I just thought, if I'm just Joe SEC fan out there and I want to know what happened at LSU, I know five places I can go and find that out. But if I'm Joe LSU fan and I want to know what happened last night at Arkansas, what's going on at Ole Miss, what's going on at Vandy, to be able to find that efficiently in one spot is not easy. And that's kind of what we did. We founded our channel, and it was eventually originally a website before we flipped more to, to YouTube. It's like, I, I would just like to serve that guy that wants to know what's going on with the league or, or scouts or whoever would listen and, and to get everything in one stop to where if you if you come on as a Missouri baseball fan and nobody covers that program, hey, this guy's going to talk a little bit about like what Luke Mann did last night or whatever. And that was kind of our mission. Um like everything else, you kind of find out football's king. And I, I to be to be brutally honest, I thought there's so many people covering football that that we could do it, but we get lost in the jungle. And and it for whatever reason it didn't happen. People found us for football and found us pretty quickly. But mm-hmm. that that's kind of if I could just do the job as a just a guy where money's no object, and you know you're not worried about. You know, are or, or, or five thousand people going to see this, or ten thousand, and just do a service to people, just for the joy of doing good work. That was sort of the, the whole impetus behind what we did from the beginning, and especially to do it, um, in underserved markets. Well, I think to your point, it's not being done, yeah. and I, I've said this. I should probably stop saying this because I might eventually do it. But, um, you know, I've I've said repeatedly, ESPN, SEC Network, and particularly SEC Network. I think. They've got great people, and they do a hell of a job in just about everything they do, but they are not doing what we're doing. And I don't understand for the life of me why they don't just do – if they did what we were trying to do, they'd crush us in an instant. But they will not do it, and I've been told from people there high up that that they won't do it. They have no plans to do it. So, hey, we're like filling a void that is there, and people are responding to it. Yeah, and I'm I'm not – now that I've done this, and like I said, we did we we did football as kind of an afterthought, and then you see the numbers for football, like well, well, no wonder, yeah. everybody's motivated by money and sponsors, and now I get it. 
but it does it, it does annoy me when you turn on the SEC network and it's super regional time and you know they're talking about the same recycled football topics that that everybody's talked about since january and i'm just like do do your do your athletes not deserve better i think to me at some point the 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 things that motivate me i mean of course we're all motivated by money because we have bills to pay but i i would rather do something that i have fun with and i feel like is filling a void than than get rich over it Mm -hmm. um i i think the people that approach that from a top-down level in our in our field there just aren't enough of them, and that's why there's no product because everybody's motivated by the other things. But to me, I I think I get more joy out of being the guy that somebody can go to to get something that they wouldn't get otherwise than I do making an extra buck. Yeah. And that that's probably stupid. Um, I hope my wife's not watching this because she might want to kill me. <laughs> but but I mean I I don't know I I. It goes back, I think it goes back to our nine-year-old self. Like, what would we be doing if we could do anything? And I think if you don't wake up with that some days and you lose sight of it and you get caught up in all the other stuff, uh, it, it becomes drudgery rather than it become. And look, I've, I've, I've had it take me there too. But I think if, if you can get back to, like, what would I be doing if I could do anything? And, and you just have a day where you can pursue that with all your heart and your energy, those are the days where you find the, the real joy in what we do. Mm-hmm. And w- w- this is a, probably a tough question to answer, but where do you think all this is going? Because I think, I feel like guys like you and I are, we're on the right path and, yeah. and it, I think it can just keep getting bigger and bigger because I don't know if people realize it, but YouTube is the number two website in the world or, yeah. or search engine behind Google. So, I mean, it, the audience is there. You just have to yeah. make, make quality stuff. And people will find it. Yeah, uh, it, maybe it happens a little bit slower than I want sometimes, but it does. It does happen. It just, for me personally, it gets bigger and bigger every single year. Yeah, I've, I've thought that too. And and I'll give you a thing that that sort of validates it. Like I'll be at a at a super regional baseball game, uh, and and I'll have people texting me that never talk baseball. Um, you know, or that are watching it. That that's told me like, man, I think there's this this thing out there that people like that this speaks to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's weird because I'm, and I guess this is being redundant, but I've got two business degrees, but, but I find it's the creative side and it's the serving fan bases and things and underserved topic side. that really is what gets me out of bed. And I, I, I could just keep thinking there's maybe it's not organized enough. I don't know what it is, but I just get up and I keep pushing every day, thinking at some point you, you and we have to some degree. Um, but I, but I'm with you. I I think that there's the product is good enough and there's enough people out there um, that, that it's going to resonate somewhere. Just I think of the corporate business level, the people that put together the, the media ventures don't don't really see it the way you and I do. And I think the way probably the, this is probably stupid of me to come on your show and say it because I feel like. Somebody's going to be watching this one day, and well, of course. And they're going to do something bigger and better and throw more money at it, and I'll be out of a job. But um, just speaking honestly, that's my answer. Yeah. Uh, so looking ahead to the upcoming football season, what, uh, what will you guys be implementing that's new and, and anything that's exciting you? Because I know, I mean, anytime the, the, you guys put out the previews, it seems like for the next week, 
10 minutes after the next the last game's over you, you guys always first to market <laughs> right. and, and it, it, hey that seems to serve you well yeah. uh any other what else you guys got cooking over there well i think a lot of our things are, are previews and predictions and and i look again back to ideal self I, i'd love to get up every morning and do a one or two hour show with with collars and content and and just everything else kind of gets in the way uh including making sure kids get off to school and that kind of stuff but I mean, it'll, it'll be the same thing we've done. It'll be predictions. It'll be pre, and a lot of that takes time. I don't like yeah. to just come and do something, and do it halfway. You know, of, of course, you're going to do stuff that that you're going to do, and you're going you're going to read your your channel. You guys forgot to talk about this, or that guy's injured, and you didn't catch it. You're always going to be vulnerable to that. But um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of what we've done before. I think you're going to hopefully going to see more topical stuff. Um, I think you'll see a little bit more daily content, maybe a, a weekly-ish or a daily-ish type catch-all show. Uh, I've been in radio before. There's part of me that kind of misses that, just being able to come in and turn on the mic and talk about whatever I want to speak about today. That's that's my goal is to get to more of that. But certainly the, the previews, the recaps, then when something big happens on a Saturday and I can go live and talk about it, we'll do that. But um, yeah. A, a lot more of the same and hopefully a little bit more of some of those other things too. And I know you're not a big hot take guy or anything, but do you, do you have any, do you have a take or two that is maybe a, an outlier or team or player or, or anything, you know, think exceed expectations or first coach fired? I, I hate talking fired coaches because I, I like to be optimistic, particularly everybody's optimistic. We're going to, we're going to go undefeated. We're going to win the SEC. Unfortunately, that's not the reality. Once, once these losses start piling up, then people really turn from they flip on a dime, optimistic to we got to fire this guy, that guy. Yeah. Got any uh, outlier takes or anything? Yeah, I'll I'll give you a take and I'll give you a thing that I, that I'm always kind of watching that I, that I don't know why we don't think about it more in terms of, of this. But the, the first, I think if I had an undervalued team, I think it might be Missouri. I spent a lot of time pouring through everybody's depth chart. I got I got this ridiculous thing. Um, and I'm sure I could use my time better ways, but I, I, I've got a chart in front of me home of everybody's team, and it's, you know, Missouri. Here's their first string left tackle. They're, and all down to the fourth, and I'll put recruiting ratings in just because I don't want to miss something. Right. And, and so when I do that for every team, I'm like, man, these dudes have got a lot of guys coming back on defense mm-hmm. that played there. Like, how many how many teams in this league – can you name their starting secondary? And you, if you pay attention, you know who those guys are. And they all played there last year in the same spot. I mean, they got Tyron Hopper, who did a mm-hmm. great job. Um, I feel like they, they hit it with a couple of kids in the portal, maybe, that, that filled some spots. My memory's going hazy on this part. But I looked at them and I thought, okay, this is a team that I, I could argue could could finish third, maybe. Because uh, to me, that, that South Carolina, Kentucky, mm-hmm. um, Missouri pack, and, and a lot of people would put Florida in there too. I'm, I'm not as I'm not as sure about that. To me, it's like, okay, to me, in my mind, these teams are, are three, four, and five. I'm just not sure what order. Mm-hmm. Well, when you saw the media days voting, Missouri was sixth. And, and not just sixth, but I think a pretty considerable distance behind Florida. That kind of surprised me. And, and maybe I'm out to lunch. Maybe everybody's seen something that I'm not. But to me, Missouri is that team. Uh, th- their defense got so much better a year ago. 
Um, and I feel like Brady Cooks, I went back and looked at it. He's kind of an ordinary quarterback, and I'm not sure about their running game, but I feel like he was a little better than I remembered when I back, went back and looked at the stat sheet. So I, I would say that's kind of the thing that I, I think people might be sleeping on that team a little bit. The other thing that I'm always watching, and I remember saying this last year with Texas A&M, and I, I can't believe it wasn't a hotter topic. I, I like looked at this and going, okay, you got Jimbo Fisher. You've got a a booster base that is just fanatical uh, and, and is wealthy. Um, you've got this feeling that we can be winning national titles. Well, what do you go out and do? He signed out this signs this huge recruiting class that allegedly they spent thirty million dollars on. I, I don't think they spent thirty million dollars, but it was it became this like this bigger than life situation. And I'm going, huh? What what can go wrong here? <laughs> and that, and that's kind of the way it played out. Although I think they were probably, you know, you look, they were right there in most games. Um, the computers still liked them as a top 30 or 40. It wasn't like they were awful. And if you're being reasonable about it, it's a bunch of true freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so of, of course that can happen. I mean, maybe at Alabama or Georgia, but they got enough. They were just very reliant on young guys and you had that pressure cooker. I think taking that same example, it, it's like the, the, the where, can, where, where can you see the pressure collapse something? Obviously, A&M would be an obvious answer. Florida would be another answer for different reasons. Um, Missouri, if, if Drinkwitz goes another six-win season, n- nobody likes six wins a year. I don't think he's a bad coach, but I presume they won't. So you can name like the ones where you could see it happen, but like what about something out of left field? I'll give you one that I've been thinking about that no, literally no one's saying this, and I don't think it's going to happen. Because I think they're going to be pretty good this year. Yeah. But one coach that I that I think could find himself on the hot seat real quick is Mark Stoops at Kentucky. And after yeah. they bottomed out, they that may be too strong. But they were very disappointing last year. Yeah. There's hype this year. They looks like they nailed it with adding Ray Davis, yeah. Devin Leary. They added a left tackle. They have what a lot of people consider the best defensive coordinator right now in the SEC, and Brad White. And they're a popular number three in the East. Some people say number two. If they finish again, fifth, sixth in the East, yeah. I'm not saying they'll fire him, but I think I think those fans are kind of fed up with, what the hell are we doing here just winning six, seven games a year, which that's not fair to him when he got yeah. there, but we're 10 years in and we're still winning six, seven. I don't know. I, I think that's one to keep your eye on because I, if they do that again, if they go six and six, I think they'll say, you know, he's already he has a tenuous relationship with the AD a little bit. That AD's got a problem with everybody apparently. Oh, yeah. But I I don't know. I think I think he could catch some hell and, and they could they could be looking to upgrade maybe to to Liam Cohen. Yeah. You know, or or I don't know who it would be, but I think that's one to keep your eye on. That that's good. And, and we can construct the narrative there really quickly, right? Uh and, and I don't mean to pick on Kentucky because a lot of teams are transfer reliant, but when it's when it's year to year free agency. And these kids come in, and, and they're getting paid a lot of money, and they're taking jobs from kids who waited their time. Yep. That's one way it can go wrong. The other way it can go wrong is if, if somebody doesn't get there what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not paying me what I'm – so now I'm going to quit or, or opting out. Um, like How many situations have we seen, like at Auburn, perfect example, and Tennessee used to be this way, uh, you know, before Josh – like how many times did just the – Everybody, you, you could see it with, with Derek Dooley. 
Um, and with Butch Jones, you could just see them just get crushed under the pressure every time they were in front of the microphone. Yeah. It, it's it's the same thing. He is he has taken something that was pretty bad. He's raised it to a level that they've never been, and now everybody's locked that in as an expectation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, when are we going to win the East? You know, we we okay, maybe Georgia's the behemoth here, and we can't take them down, but we should at least overcome Tennessee. You know, he's in year ten, and Heupel's in year three, or whatever. You can pretty easily construct narratives, and maybe those are fair, maybe they're not. Um, well, you could see it, and and then okay. We start putting a coach under the microscope. Well, what what do they do every year in September, Mike? At Kentucky? Yeah. They play a cupcake, four cupcakes. Right. So then it's going to be, well, yeah, he's won seven or eight games, but that's because they're playing Eastern Kentucky and Ball State <laughs> and Bowling Green. <laughs> right. Um, which was smart on his part, and, and it got him to some bowl games they probably wouldn't have been in otherwise, but that's what people start doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not one that was in the back of my head, but I now that you bring it up, it's – you didn't have to connect the dots for me. Right. And do you think it's fair to judge Billy Napier on this year, um, given, well, let, 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 let well, me go ahead. I'm out. sorry. I, I cut Maybe you you're right. Maybe you're right. But he's at Florida. We're in the era of NIL and transfer portal. And, I mean, Tennessee turning around. LSU, South Carolina. I, I mean, it's, it is proven that you can flip it fairly quick. And if they suck again, which I don't, I'm not convinced that they will. But I, yeah. I kind of have been convinced all summer, and now I'm, now I'm optimistic again. Where if they can beat Utah, they got a lot of home games right out the stretch. They always beat Tennessee at home. If they if they beat Utah on the road, I think they can beat Tennessee at home. I really do because I think, I don't know, there's just bad mojo there. Huh. I mean, they could be five and one, and and sitting here, we'll say coach of the year. I'll, I'll be the first one to say it. Or they could finish six in the East again, after he made the mistake. Remember when Brian Kelly got to LSU, basically half, I don't want to say half, but maybe 20, 25 guys exited the program. Yeah. That's kind of the way you got to do it now. Because yeah. with the portal, you can you you you're, you even out quickly. Billy Napier did it backwards. He tried to get everyone to buy in, yeah. and they had about 30 guys exit after year one. So, again, I, I understand why they need to be patient, but I also think, I just don't understand, Chris. We've seen this time and time again at, at schools like Tennessee and Florida where they look at what Alabama and Georgia are doing, and they say, let's take that blueprint. Yeah. Let's try to beat this behemoth that is already a mile ahead of us by using their blueprint. And, oh, yeah, we're going to do it with talent that's not near as equal to them. I just think that's the height of stupidity. Well, first of all, he's he's a he's a build-it guy in the middle of a flip-it era. Right. And that, that causes problems because I like the way he's trying to do it. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I would rather have a guy, and, and I'm, of course, I, I cover one at Vandy, well, they're saying, hey, look, if we try to get in and compete with everybody else and do that, it's not going to work. If we try to build a culture that people are going to be attracted to, then then that's how we're going to win. Now, look, that's what Napier's trying to do at Florida. Uh, of course, Florida and Vanderbilt, it's, it's apples and oranges. Um, and, and I think the one thing that you – and, of course, you know this. The one thing I would say that you left out was the, the recruiting base. It's Florida. I mean, they can get talent in time. I look because again, I, I go back to I like the way he's doing it. You go back I'm 15 years at Florida. If you want to go back to whenever, I mean, that had a had a serial killer running around on their team starting. And I remember one time somebody told me that he might not have been the worst guy on that team. <laughs> <laughs> 
know if it's true or not, but it's a good story, right? Um, I, I kind of look at it like this. I, I, I like, like if I, I was, when I was watching media days, I was thinking like, who are the coaches sitting up there that I'm, if I'm the father of a 17 year old blue chipper, who are, who are the coaches that I'd want my kid to play for? Now where my bread is buttered might be a little different than a lot of people, but as a parent, I'm thinking when I'm watching guys speak, I'm like, man, Billy Napier, Shane Beamer, those are guys that I think resonate with the message and are trying to create a culture that I'd like my kid to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where they learn discipline and accountability is just not just not a free-for-all like it was a, a lot of years under Urban Meyer. And, and, you know, Mullen had some issues too. And plus, Mullen just didn't recruit very well. Um, I, I like the way he's building it, but it's back to that pressure of expectations. He might be building something that, that's poised to stand a year, two years, three years from now, but if it goes four and eight, and by the way, I don't think they're beating Utah and Tennessee. And if if it goes four and eight, and and God help me, find it, find somebody with a tougher schedule than they've got. They open with Utah, they close with Florida State, and they've got the SEC in between. Mm-hmm. I I just wonder in in their rush to get to something, how how are they going to handle it if it doesn't go well this year? And I don't I don't look. This team got beat by Vandy at the end of the year. I I did not see that one coming. Mm. Uh, I remember going on Florida shows and, you know, well, they just beat Kentucky. Do you think there's an upset? Like, no, it's not going to happen. They're too disciplined, mm-hmm. whatever. Well, they they lost. Um, I, I think they're in for a hard year, and, and I just don't know against the landscape of everything else. Like, what does that look like at the end of the year if, if it's four and eight? Did, did, is there any concern for what it looks like on the horizon or they just say four and eight at Florida is not going to cut it, and if he's going four and eight, he's not our guy. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that, but th- that might be the most di- fascinating dynamic uh, of a program this year is, is how all that can all go. And then I believe in twenty twenty four they play eleven Power Five opponents because uh, UCF is now a Power Five, so they did. I guess they weren't anticipating that, and the hopes are they got a, this true freshman quarterback. I mean. Good luck. You know what I mean. Uh, last football question for you. I know you got to get going here. Tennessee. Do you think they ever win a an SEC championship with Josh Heupel as their head coach? Gun to my head, yes or no. I, I would say yes, but it's it's back to the Kentucky thing. I was thinking about Tennessee the other day um, because I really like what he's doing, and and it seems like the expectation is they've got the NIL thing going. Mm-hmm. He seems to me like he's a little bit more grounded. Like with Dooley and Jones, it was just something a little odd about both of them. He seems like a guy that's that's built to to withstand the pressure cooker a little better. Maybe he's a little bit more relatable. I don't, I don't know what it is. You'd probably have a better idea than I would. But I started thinking, like, what what if that just goes a little sideways? What if they lose the games they're supposed to lose? Let's say they got. You know, something crazy happened, like a Texas San Antonio beat him. And I don't think that's going to happen, but let's say Joe Milton goes back to the Joe Milton before the the 10 touchdowns. Who and he's, no picks honestly, who he's been most of his career. Right, right. We just People seem to have locked in this expectation that Joe Milton's going to be this guy that's getting talked about in the first round. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. I mean, you, you can't forget what he did with Hendon Hooker. It's not like when Hendon Hooker mm-hmm. came in there, everybody's going, oh my goodness, he's going to going to win 10 games with this guy that was that was just another news item the way i remember it mm-hmm. but let's just say just for example and i don't think this is going to happen but what if that goes sideways because you've seen that and that's a place where 
There's too many people on that beat, first of all. Um, when it goes crazy, they all go crazy together. Um, it just gets to be a feeding frenzy, and you've seen other coaches crack under it. Again, I think he's made differently. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's the one where I wonder about too. Like if if it misses expectations just a little bit, uh, that that's a culture where it's tend to eat, tended to eat itself a little bit. And again, do I think it's going to happen? No, but but if it did, that would be that'd be very interesting to see to he- see how that would unfold. I think that answer is relying on how good Nico is, the freshman quarterback they got, because not next year or anything, but down the line, they'll never have the talent, I don't think, of Alabama or Georgia the way they recruit, but you can make up that separation with a truly elite quarterback like a Marcus Mariota, who that Oregon team had no business being in the national championship, but they had such a good quarterback. You know, we all know that the importance of that position, what it can do for you. But I think I think that's kind of where the the answer lies on that one. Well, and and to your point, in when I when I size up teams, I go back and look at where these kids were rated. Mm-hmm. And Brew McCoy, I think, was a five star. Mm-hmm. But most of these guys were not top hundred recruits. I mean, they've got three really good running backs. I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think any of those guys were five five star guys. Their receiving core. Uh, it, it just seems like it's a plug-and-play. Now, now, sometimes th- there's a weird dynamic that sometimes when you've just made a system work with dudes and, and you get more talent, maybe that comes with more prima donnas and stuff, and maybe that's the self-destruct element. But I think that's why w- when you asked me, do you think he can win it or not, and I said gun to my head, yes, because I think he's done it. And, and it's not just that he's done it with guys that were not what Alabama and Georgia have gotten, even Florida in a lot of cases – but he took over for a defensive coach, and that program was a disaster, particularly on offense. Yeah, yeah well, and, unwatchable. And, yeah, and and it was unwatchable. And and what do what do coaches do? What does a coordinator do if an offensive coordinator takes a takes a head coaching job? Where, where are the better players on his roster in recruiting? Are they offense or defense? Always offense. And so, to me, that's what I think. That's why I'm bullish on him. Is he took. Not only was was Pruitt, it was at a disaster for all the reasons everybody knows, but it was a he took a defensive mindset that had built that roster, and he flipped it that quickly. I think that what they win seven games his first year. Yep, should have been eight. They got robbed in the bowl game. Well, I was yeah, there. That that was that was wild. That that could have that could have easily gone the Literally, I'd never seen in my life a whistle blown on the goal line while the guy's still going. You know, like you let that play out. Well, okay. Let's let's say that. Let's let's call it eight, yeah. eight and eight and five. The first year was that maybe more impressive than what they did last year? I mean, may, maybe not because they included beating Alabama, which seems impossible. But you could, I think you could. That came out. Of you could debate it, right? Yeah, yeah, certainly. All right. Last thing, I really appreciate your time. Just because you're a Nashville guy, and and I want to know what's your favorite place to eat in Nashville. Oh man, people coming in for a Vanderbilt game. Where do they got to go eat? That's a tough question. This is a good good food city. Well, here's the problem. I'm, I've got a I got a 12 and a nine year old at home in Franklin. <laughs> Do they dictate I'm, the meal? And I'm boring. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's it's you know our our we we get more than our share of Sonic and Chick Fil A. Uh, is South Street still around? I hadn't been there in a while. That was always kind of a fun place. Yeah. Um, that I would I would do that on occasion for a game day. When I mean, of course, when I oh, I'm 
eating a medium meal with everybody else. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if you're looking for close to Vanderbilt, I always like Jay Alexander's, mm-hmm. which, which is right next door. Um, food is food is phenomenal there. I mean, there's there's hot chicken on every corner. Yeah, I, I've been a, I, I got dragged to hot chicken. I didn't get it at first, um, and now I'm kind of a believer. I, I just don't want it to. I just don't like it when it makes you, like, cry. Like, it's not even enjoyable for me. Right. Well, I mean, the, the point of eating is to enjoy it, right? That's the part I don't get. But, like, they have... I like spicy, but not crazy. Yes. And, and and some genius somewhere has figured out that there's people like me and you that they can bring in as customers. Right. So, I mean, pick your favorite hot... That, that is something that I thought at first, like, man, I don't get this. But there's... That's kind of like our one of our things now is hot chicken. So, right, right. Um, you know, there's there's big shakes and down where I live, that that's around the corner. I like that one. I think there's one or two up here. Um, here here's an off the wall for you. I discovered this the other day, uh, thanks to my buddy Anthony Dasher who covers Georgia. Have you been to Parlor Donuts? Oh yeah, yeah, right down. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've been too many times. <laughs> well, I got I got a kid who loves donuts, and I I bribed him with something the other day to to take him there, and that that went over pretty well. That's that's another. That's like that's like we're we're, we're kind of this foodie town at the moment. Yeah. And like I, I, I think I missed my window by twenty years. Like you know, if you could, if you could roll a time machine and put me single or young, married without kids, then I think I could, I could do some damage around here. But um, the the windows just didn't didn't line up very well. <laughs> yeah. Well, before you go, Chris, tell my audience where can they find you? Where can they find your work? Yeah, v- Vandy stuff is VandySports.com. It's on the Rivals Network, uh, so we we cover that pretty in- intensely. I, I've spent more of my time now on the southeastern 14 side most of our stuff is on youtube we cover football baseball basketball pretty much year round again if you're looking for stuff that other people aren't covering that, that that's kind of what i like to do but we're also covering the stuff that everybody else is covering too because yeah. because you, you have to so if you're kind of looking for a one-stop sh- shop to keep up with the league and those three sports uh, i think you'll like what we do yeah that's why my audience will will love your stuff. That's why I love having having you on talking to me. And, people and, you, people. and you do great stuff too, man. I, I appreciate your style. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest compliment you give somebody is, you know, who, who do you listen to to make sure you're not missing something? Yeah. And 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 you're in my feed, and I've, I've been listening to a couple on jogs this week, and I, I just I like you. You're you're a good dude. Um, we just have always connected, and, and it's an honor to be on with you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. You bet. All right, Chase. So just want to say thanks again, Chris, for joining the show. Really appreciated it, coming in studio. It's always a treat to get people into that studio and get to know them a little bit better. And, you know, just the conversations are, are better in person and long format. So, yeah. uh, you know, just trying to do whatever I can to, to provide extra value to this podcast. And, and Chris really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and this close to being your last interview, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, buddy, you got anything else before we hop off the line? No, no, it's been a long one, but we got a lot more content coming out this week, so be sure to subscribe to That SEC Podcast on YouTube, all Apple. I mean, you know how, you know the deal. Get on there, hit the notifications on. As soon as we got some videos, we're going to send them your way. Yeah, we probably should have said this sooner. We'll we'll bring it up again, Shane. But uh, we're going to start doing live shows every yeah. Sunday. So we're trying to get you guys in the habit. Those will be our big recap shows. But we're going to do a couple leading up to it because I'm sure I'll, we'll screw up the first couple. We want to uh-huh. be in season four when the games get here. But uh, so be on the lookout for that on the YouTube. 
live. It'll be on Facebook, Twitter. It'll be out there all over the place. But uh, live shows coming Sunday evening for the entire college football season. Shane, scared to death. Show up and hang out with us. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to have fun, though, and, and it's a good way to interact, too. You know, yep. Mike's going to let some comments come through, and we'll, we'll be able to talk and hang out with you guys. But, yeah, I, I'm excited about it, you know. So, Sunday, uh, we don't have a definite time yet, do we? Or do we? I think it'll be, uh, isn't it 6, 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 Central, every Sunday, I believe. So, set your alarm clocks. Uh, we're going to be on there, uh, be on all platforms, but mainly YouTube. Jump on there. And then, of course, we'll put out the, the audio version the next morning. But yep. yeah, it should be fun. It, it, we're talking, man, college football. So, we're going to work some kinks out. And, and that may be, you know, maybe, hell, I'm, I'm stumbling now, Mike. Just wait till we get on live TV where I can't pause the damn thing. So, uh, it's going to be awesome. And I look forward to seeing everybody there. Well, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate all the cousins out there for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Damn, I'm already getting nervous. (laughs) Till tomorrow. No balls. Hey, buddy. This beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.